Welcome to Jack Theology, a special Christmas. I was going to say, I hope this is the Christmas episode. If not, if not, I'm I'm wildly overdressed for this. I know I missed out on my uh, decorating the uh, and wearing the hat. Yeah, I figured honestly that you would be in a Michigan, you know, sweater. I'm repping my uh, my son's swim team today. Right, good for you. Yeah, so he made his national team, and I, we had our national team meeting last night. So I got to find out how much I got to spend to to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, to watch him finish probably twentieth. But still, it's uh, it'll be a fun kids fun kids time. sports. You know, when, when you, if you want to if you want to play at a certain level, um, it, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. So, and speaking of, tis the season for spending money. Yeah, Christmas, Chris, Christmas gift. <laughs> a trip to Charlotte. <laughs> exactly. That's basically. Merry uh, Christmas. Our family's Christmas. Gift. And a uh, and a stocking full of oranges and apples. It's. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we've reached a point with our kids. It's kind of refreshing that they don't really ask for a ton. Um, so, it's kind of nice. So we're we're trying to figure out that, and definitely Charlotte will be. A big part of that. Um, Good for him. With Good for him. Congratulations. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's a it's, it's a, a lot of hard work paying off. A lot of his mom and I uh, driving him to and fro to practices and meets. Swim so. team. Swim team is no joke when it comes to time involvement. Yes, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, but I enjoy it. I, I love, I mean, if you have kids, you know, you love to see your kids succeed in whatever they pursue. So you, you find the time, you find the motivation to get up and do it. Um, especially if they're, they're passionate about it. Um, so that's a joy as a, being a father for sure. Um, and I think, so Christmas, it bring it stirs up a lot of emotions. So we wanted to deconstruct Christmas today. Uh, we deconstructed, uh, Halloween a bit, All Saints Day. Uh, we, we briefly mentioned a couple thoughts on Christmas in that episode, but I, I thought it would be, and I've seen a lot on the Twitterverse and on Facebook about people and different debates and conversations around Christmas. So we're gonna we're gonna dispel and we're gonna we're gonna solve all those problems here in this hour episode. <laughs> it's tough. Now don't don't go destroying Christmas, okay, Scrooge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I face this too. You know, I'm the biggest. Let's let's question. Let's let's find the truth in something. Let's peel back all of the onion in order to kind of get to what is real and what is tradition and what's excess. And I have to admit, when it comes to Christmas, like there's this place in my heart that says, "No, don't don't hurt Christmas." <laughs> I, I would I, the the compulsion to believe things that may not be. Um, defensible and may even actually be um, opposite of of the truth is strong uh, at Christmas time. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, Christmas obviously is a big big deal. Uh, not only on the church calendar, it's Advent season is the start of the the church year, so it's it's important. It it the church seems to think it was the most important thing that God came into the world, Emmanuel, God with us. So we start there. Um, and then obviously culturally, um, there's just a lot with Christmas. It, it drives it. Th- this is the holiday. So we talked about in the Halloween, how um, 
you know, we talked about how Christianity and pagan cultures and secular cultures kind of like learn to combine holidays, right? So that, you know, if one group of people was celebrate, hey, I want to celebrate at that time. So we, and I think that's happened at Christmas for sure. And so like, it's a definitely a capitalist holiday, right? Where we, capitalism drives uh, business towards Christmas to selling. Um, they want you to spend a lot of money. Um, and so it's obviously a huge cultural capitalist holiday. And so a lot of things get kind of intermingled. And so uh, one of the thing, first things, simple thing to deconstruct a bit is, and I heard this a lot growing up, you don't, don't write Xmas, right? Because we don't want to take the Christ out of Christmas. Um, Amen. <laughs> 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 I'm glad you're laughing because I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, X, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it actually, has a long, it has a long history, right? I mean, I yeah. um, I didn't realize this until this week. I, I'm sure you knew this, but X was actually the way that the early church wrote the name of Jesus because. Uh, Greek letter X is the first letter in, in the name of Christ, but uh, also because during those years, those early years, the oppression, they had to kind of hide their Christianity. And so if they were communicating about Christ, they would just simply write X um, so that it was kind of this inside, this inside thing where if, if you knew, you knew what X meant and it meant Christ. Yeah. And then they added mass after it because it was Christ's mass um, Ma- mass which is a word for um what a uh, worship for, for, for yeah, service Eucharist. right uh, yeah yeah uh, the lord's supper hold on i'm gonna strip down a little bit yeah i wondered what was going on there this is like uh, a uh, oh there's the michigan shirt no. <laughs> um i don't know if you could yeah, see it a little bit here so i have to i have the x here as a tattoo and so it's chai and then i have the p row uh, for 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 Cairo. for Christ, um, so um, Christ Chai is yeah is the X, um, and so it's been it was written that way pre American capitalism, um, and so it's it's a definitely a, that's a tr- traditional way to write Christmas, um, the Greek way to write Christmas uh, X I, I still write it that way a lot, but. Transparently, it's just to annoy the fundies. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then and then mass also the base root is um, is sent missio. Uh, it comes from the word missio, which is sent. So it's it's kind of fascinating to think about. Like Christ was sent. Uh, Christ mass. Um, you could kind of play around with with the black roots there. Um, I don't know that they necessarily intended that Christ was sent. I mean, it was the Chris, Christ worship, the Christ Eucharist, um, where they celebrated his birth. Um, but I like, I kind of tend to like that play on words that Christ was sent. So Christmas, Christ was sent. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah. You know, part of the thing that I hear whenever, um, Whenever Christians are confronted with the idea that, okay, by saying Mary Xmas, you're not actually cutting Christ out of Christmas. You're just using a symbol for Christ. And and the response that I hear a lot from people is, well, it goes down to intent. 
a lot of people who write it that way are intending to remove Christ from Christmas, even if they're even if they're not actually removing Christ from Christmas when they think they are. I, I mean, what do you what do you think about that? Is that is that a big deal that that people would intentionally try to avoid it? And should we care? Um, well, first of all, I think it's inter- it's fascinating that there. Yes, I think people in, maybe intend or it's just shorthand. Right. Um, but it was a cultural thing. It actually, you know, it's interesting to see how that even was passed down uh, through the generations um, and people shorthand it. I, and I tend to think when people give me that argument, well, Christ says even the rocks will cry out. So even though people are trying to take Christ out, they're really not. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think we need to do definitely though understand. And this kind of leads in the next one, the Merry Christmas versus happy holidays is that we are in the in a world that, you know, Christ says be in the world, not of the world. So we're, we're obviously in a dual celebration right now. There, there's those of us that celebrate the birth of Christ. And there's those of us that celebrate just this holiday season of whatever, you know, fill in the blank of however you want to celebrate. And so I think as Christians, if people want to take Christ out, like that just is a, is a point of knowing where they're at. Like, and then our, my job isn't to criticize them for that and to come down on that for that is to, to love them, care for them, to meet them where they're at. Like where I live here in the Northeast, like, um, the high, high Jewish population. And, you know, just right down the road is, is a huge temple and up the road is one of the biggest temples in the Northeast. Um, and so we see the, the Medoras everywhere. And at my kid's school, they have Christmas tree and the Medora and, and, and it's happy Hanukkah. And so happy holidays fits, um, where we're at. And I think it's a loving way to interact. I mean, you know, Kwanzaa is another one that people celebrate around here as well. So I don't want to necessarily like criticize and come down because someone isn't like, and there's some families that are just very secular and very, and they integrate a lot of different symbols around this time of year and and participate in a lot of different traditions. Um, and I guess I just want to meet those people where they're at. So if that's what they're doing, fine. Yeah, like, I, you know. I, I totally, um, I, I totally wish that that was what Christianity these days was was broadly known for. And and I do want to give, I, I, I want to give you know kudos to those Christians who who are where you are, who you know they just are are, are grateful um, and want to meet people where they are. And and I think you know when it. Over the last few years, as we've kind of had this war, it feels like on the word "happy holidays" or, or Starbucks, you know, using using a cup you know, that that doesn't seem to that, that that doesn't seem to fit what Christians think a secular business should be utilizing during this season. It, it feels as though Christianity has kind of generally spun that into we're being attacked. You know, our, our faith is being attacked. Our, our holiday is being attacked. And I think, um, I just think that's the wrong stance for, for Christians is, is to take the victim mentality. First of all, we have to be, we have to be honest and say there are other holiday celebrations, you know, this type of year for, for this time of year for other faiths. And, um, ours, ours wasn't first, just to be honest, uh, you know, we actually stole other holidays uh, from them by by co-opting them uh, with our 
with our theology on top of them. And so, you know, when it comes to this time of year, I, I just am like, why are we complaining that people are, are singing songs about Jesus, even if they're not Christian? Why are we complaining that people are watching uh, the, the Peanuts Christmas special where, where Linus stands up there and reads Luke chapter two verbatim from the King James Version? You know, people are hearing this time of year, the message of Jesus, even if they're saying happy holidays, you know, even if they're avoiding doing anything that smacks of Christ and Christmas, meet them where they are. I mean, is there anything more Christian than that? If somebody says happy holidays to me at a checkout line, you know what I'm going to say back? I'm going to say happy holidays to them. I'm going to meet them where they are rather than expect them to meet me where I am. Somebody says happy Kwanzaa, you know, to me or happy Hanukkah. I'm going to say right back to them what they said to me. Hey, happy Hanukkah. Because I want to be where they are. I want to celebrate with them where they are rather than expecting them to jump to where I am for, for some idiotic reason because I feel like I'm a victim at the holidays. Yeah, the the victim mentality is, is odd. It's, it's funny because Halloween was originally, I believe, our holiday as Christians. And then, you know, uh, the world secularism co-opted that. And, and originally, December 25th, um, was the, you know, the sun God celebration that we co-opted that the church put on. Let's celebrate Christmas. Let's celebrate Jesus. Um, it makes a lot of sense. It's the, um, it's the first day after, um, the winter, um, solstice that you can actually see a difference in the sun on the horizon. And so kind of the idea was, well, December 25th, it's the sun god. It's the first time the sun is, is changing and becoming brighter. And so the church said, well, it's obviously the light of the world came into the into the universe at that time. And so let's celebrate Jesus, the light of the world. Um, and, you know, I love that symbolism of, of you know, when they're putting this together, we're going to celebrate on December 25th. Like they didn't have what we have today to know that even on December 21st, the days got a little bit longer. But the December 25th was the first day to the naked eye that you can notice the day getting longer, which is fascinating to me. And yes, that leads to another point is that no, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now you've got too far. What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's a line, Matt. We can't cross this line. Are, are you serious? <laughs> you, serious, Clark, you serious Clark we, we watched Christmas Vacation with the family this week for the first time the kids had never seen it before and my kids were like oh that's where that line comes from oh that's where that <laughs> yeah. line comes from you serious Clark <laughs> Come yeah on. there's there's a lot of lines that's a great movie there's a lot of lines from that movie I watch that every uh, Christmas morning after we open presents I put that on for the family it's, um, it's a classic anyway so December 25th uh, well, so I mean you know, I just from reading the Bible, you you know that Jesus was born at Passover. Um, you know they were coming in for a census. Is you know Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem um, for Passover. Um, it's pretty clear, and so you couldn't rightly have Jesus's uh, birth um, celebrated at the same time we celebrate and remember Jesus's passing, his death and resurrection. It doesn't make sense, you know, calendar wise, and so it was a logical place to put it um the tree behind you was a symbol of the sun god which is fascinating that now that's and that's why we use it every year 
Yeah, it's a very Christian uh, <laughs> thing now. <laughs> but we co-opted it. We we put our symbolism. We put our nothing like putting a dead tree in your house, right? Yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, on that, rather than worshiping the sun god. Um, so yeah, Jesus was not born December twenty fifth. Sorry to tell you that. I know there's now there's people there's fundies that are trying to fight to argue that Jesus was, and I'm, I don't understand why you would. It doesn't make logical sense when you actually read the plain and clear reading of the scripture you do do any sort of like research around passover and where it fell it never fell in december um it it, anyways so i think i think anytime christianity takes this position of a victim mentality in the world or, or, or culture there is a drive to delete all of the mystery out of it you know, to clearly define the difference between what is right and what is wrong so that we can, you know, kind of, this is our turf and this is their turf. And so, you know, I I think that it's systemic for us to kind of have to know exactly when Jesus was born and that it is December 25th and and defend it on that day because we've taken out the beauty of the mystery of gray in in our faith. Yeah. I, it's ridiculous. Honest, it is ridiculous, and honestly, it doesn't even matter. Like, what does who it cares? Matter? Well, it gives it gives us something to argue about, Matt. Which, yeah. Um. On. Yeah, you, going back a little bit. I mean, closing loop on Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays. I loved you. you I actually never heard this until you pointed it out, but it, I mean, it seems true to me. Is that? <laughs> It makes sense, so it must be true. It must be true. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look it up. No, you know, happy Happy Holidays started as a three word phrase: Happy Holy Days, and so we say Happy Holidays many times just as a generic greeting for all of the holidays that time of year. But but they said it for the same reason for for Christian holidays. You know, it wasn't just the um, it wasn't just Christmas Day. You know, it was Advent. It was Christmas Eve that three-day tridium, you know, celebration there. And then, obviously, after that, then, then you have Epiphany, 12 days after Christmas with uh, the arrival of, of the wise men and its celebration. So all of that was kind of included, and they would greet each other with happy holy days, which eventually became happy holidays. And so whenever people say happy holidays, they're actually literally saying happy holy days, which yeah. just kind of makes me laugh. And it's it's great. And I think it's perfect. It's like a perfect compromise because, you know, whether you celebrate Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, it's a holy day. It right? is or, a holy day. And I think yeah. it's okay for us to say that just because it's not a Christian holy day, it's not a Christian sacred day, doesn't mean that other people cannot have holy days or sacred days that are holy and sacred to them. Now, we might we might say, well, you know, theologically, we have some, some questions about what it means to be sacred and what it means to be holy from our vantage point. But I don't think that that requires us to say that no other day or no other celebration can be for someone else holy or sacred to them. And I feel like part of um, what what is needful in our Christianity today is to allow people to be where they are and 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 see their faith and their expressions and the way they live as being um as equally valid as ours in the world 
and then move from there into a conversation about how do we reconcile your beliefs and your holy days and your sacred days with my beliefs and my holy days and my sacred days. But let's begin with validating people where they are and saying it's okay for you to celebrate something different than I do. It's okay for you to call your celebration holy and, and sacred. And so, yeah, happy holy days, happy Jewish holy days, you know, yeah. happy Islamic holy days. You're, you're not... <laughs> You're not turning your back on your faith. You, you know, you're not renouncing Jesus by by doing that. You're saying, "I, I respect you as an individual." Mm. Yeah. And they they know you don't agree with their faith. They know. I <laughs> they mean, they know that. Like, like yeah. you don't need to tell them. You don't have to be an ass. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of people out there subscribing to be an ass, and so I don't. I don't think that's what Jesus would have done or did. Um, well, it wasn't no. I, yeah, you know who, you, you, know, I, you know who who he was an ass to, the fundies of the day. Yeah, the fundamentalists of the day. He called them a brood of vipers. Whitewashed, <laughs> well, whitewashed. John boobs. the Baptist. John the Baptist. <laughs> sorry, John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers, <laughs> which I, I find fascinating that um, the church put that in the Advent season every single year. The brood of vipers uh, scripture. Uh, well, this is where we're going to teach it at Christmas time. Uh, Makes complete sense. I, I probably they had issues like we're having today around Christmas, even thousand years ago, whenever they put together the church calendar. Um, yeah. And you know what? I've never had a Jewish person in my life uh, get mad at me when I said Merry Christmas. You know what they say back to me? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Which, um, which it, it, you know how hard that is for for, for a person of Jewish faith yeah. to, to to say the word Christ and and to affirm your celebration of a Messiah whom they have very strong opinions on. I mean, the the fact yeah. that they can do that because um, same same with me. You know, we live in a very Jewish community here as well, and um, I've been amazed at how they live their faith in the world versus how. <laughs> how my peers, how I and we live our faith in the world. Um, I think they do it well as compared to us in a lot of ways. And that's one of them. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so some thoughts on the, on the story of Jesus. Um, so common, common. Here we go. I, I always, Here we go. I always, Here we go. I always annoy people. Don't, don't, don't kill it for me. <laughs> Parents, this might be the time to turn it off if your kids are in the room. <laughs> um, there was no Motel 6 or Holiday Inn. Uh, there was there was no – Jesus – or Mary and Joseph were not headed to a hotel. Um, and so we, we translate – I mean, I think the King James was the one who made this mistake of translating. There is no room in the inn – proper translation was there no room in the dwelling um the place that they were going to stay um and so like a jewish home so like what would happen in those days is is there was no necessarily hotel is they would stay with the closest family member that um, was to them as they were traveling um and so they were heading to family they were heading to to passover they were heading to a census lots of people are heading into town and so Mary and Joseph came to their family's house and there was no room in the dwelling for them to stay. And so a, a traditional Jewish home was made up of um, 
a few different rooms. Like there was a the kind of the outdoor patio uh, welcoming area. Um, there was kind of the living room, dining room type area inside. And then there was like the family master bedroom where the family would sleep. And so a good Jewish host would give up their master bedroom and they would sleep in kind of the living room, dining room area. And so there was no room for them in either the living room area or into the master bedroom. And so they ended up in the, the fourth room in a traditional Jewish home was uh, where Mary and Joseph stayed, as we know, which this is true, is where the sacrificial animals were kept, where the donkeys were kept, where the animals were kept for, to up um, to keep the home running, to feed the family. And so that's the only room that was left in this home that they were to stay in. Um, um, and so that's where uh, they stayed. So there was no barn outside of town? No barn. Uh Likely they were they, they it was a cave. Uh, the most, you know, in the historic ancient Bethlehem, most people had a cave dwelling. So likely it was in kind of a cutout in in some rock uh, that that Mary and Joseph stayed with some animals. Yeah. So um, in the house, outside the house, uh, connected to the house, any idea? It would, it would have been connected to the house, yeah. So, um, so, this, I, so the family has taken a, a, a beating over the years for kicking a pregnant woman out, you know, into the barn outside of the city. Yeah. And that's not, and really, likely, not really the way that it, it was. And likely it was probably the warmest place for them to be. Um, you know, you really think about it, it, it probably might have been the, it might have been the best place for a pregnant woman at that time it, without being able to stay in the master bedroom. Um, yeah, it was definitely better than the patio, the front patio was, and it probably better than the living room, dining room that was connected to the front patio. It's not like they had big doors that were insulated at that time. So you um, get some privacy and some, and some warmth. Yeah. Some privacy, some warmth. I, 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 th- I find it really fascinating. So like this is Passover, likely there's Passover lamb, in there. Um, and that's a whole nother, when we deconstruct Easter, we can talk about yeah. all of that. Well, Bethlehem but, was known for that, right? Yeah. Uh, the, well, the Passover yeah. Lambs I mean, came from, from Bethlehem. I mean, the shepherds so, of the yeah. story are, are, are shepherding the Passover lambs. Yes. Yes. For Jerusalem. I mean, that's, a good, that's a good point for this too, is like they're, they're shepherding the lambs that people were going to purchase to sacrifice at Passover. And so it's, all this connection, all this symbolism, Jesus is born in the Passover lamb's room um, as uh, the ultimate Passover lamb, right? Uh, the announcement went to the shepherds first who were guarding and watching over the Passover lambs for the people of Israel. Um, that he, now this savior who would end all of this has come. Yeah, all that symbolism is beautiful. Um, and I think it shouldn't be a loss on us that that's, what's going on here and what, and I think the God of the universe is, is being intentional with this. He's, he's announcing that the Passover lamb, the ultimate Paschal lamb has come. Um, and that's just, I think, I think it's beautiful. Um, so if, if you're stuck on, there was no room in the end and, and Jesus was an outcast and, and thrown into the wolves. Um, 
Sorry to disappoint you, but it's just more. It's <laughs> well, just, I feel I feel like the the family did the best they could. Uh, I mean, it's not like they had cell phones. I mean, Mary and Joseph are coming from what, like five hundred miles away or something. Like it's a long way yeah, between yeah. Nazareth, way out in the country, all the way down to Bethlehem, which is just outside of Jerusalem. Um, did the family even know they were coming? Did the family even know that she was that she was pregnant? I, you know, yeah, until they, until they, they arrive. There was no way they would know she was pregnant. I mean, they, they probably assumed that certain family members would be coming. But, yeah, there was no way for them to know she was pregnant. Um, and, like, I, I think it was probably the perfect room for them. Um, yeah, I mean, even if they throw them in the master bedroom, like, you know, you're, re- you're, you're ready to give birth, like, and you're with other people. <laughs> you got the, just, the cousins and <laughs> yeah, that's just not ideal. The in-laws and the outlaws and all, you, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll go be with, we'll go be with the animals. Y'all just enjoy your sleep. <laughs> um, I'm not and, pregnant and I'm not pregnant and I would choose to go out and be with the cows yeah. <laughs> rather than be in the room with the family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one big deal. I mean, that's normally, I, I make a play on that for my Christmas sermon pretty much every year. Cause I think it's important that we, we understand why Jesus came, what his purpose was. Um, and I, I, I think that's why, um, yeah, there was so much excitement from the shepherds. Like they got it because they spent a lot of time with these animals, you know, these, these sacrificial lambs, they got it. Um, yeah, that, and then this really isn't Christmas, it's Epiphany, but um, there wasn't just three wise men. Okay. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> it never says that though, right? I mean, no, it never, it never says... says- it just we get that from, well, the song "We Three Kings of Orient Are," which is very racist, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and that there was three three gifts that there was talked about. That's really where I think the song probably got it from. Three gifts, um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it was likely um, dozens of of folks that were traveling. Uh, I mean, it would have been unsafe to, to travel only three people yeah. you know, along those, along those roads. And, and, you know, that, these were wise time. men. Yeah. These were powerful people. So they, even if there was only three of, you know, wise men, they were traveling with a lot of folks, but, um, I think it's pretty well established that it was, it was dozens of wise men, um, that were traveling to see Jesus, to see the king, which is fascinating that, I mean, I think this is a point of Christmas that Jesus doesn't just reveal himself to his people. He reveals himself to all men. I think that's an important point of the wise men's story is that even those far from, from him, he's revealing himself too. Um, and so for us as Christians to think that God only reveals himself in the way in which he revealed himself to us and that, that everybody has to fit into that mold I think is, is a terrible way to look at our King and, and what, and what he can do. And that's, so to, yeah. No, I just, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking that's, I, I've never thought about that before. I, I mean, I've thought about the fact, you know, that it's a, it's a sign that Gentiles kind of saw it 
saw it first that outsiders, you know, understood the story first, but I had never thought about it just from a, a broader global perspective that, that outsiders oftentimes, or maybe even always understand the soonest. Um, because I, I think, I guess that's not just in this, in the story, when you think about Jesus and, and the disciples and then the community as, as his life moves forward, uh, the disciples got it last, you know, it was people who were further out, who understood first and the closer you got to the inside, the, the, the harder it was to see the truth and what was really going on and to accept. And, and I was just, as you were talking, I'm like, that's just, um, that's even brilliant, I think, for, for today, for us to listen to the margins of community because they may, the, the wisdom and the truth may be there. And those of us who are, who are closest to the center or, or the core of the faith may be the last ones to be able to see that something is different or that something is wrong or that we don't see um, what's yeah. truly going on. I, I think that's just a, it just c- kind of struck me as you were saying, just the, the, the global nature of the, the truth of that is, is compelling, that it's the margins maybe oftentimes are always who, who get it first or, or see it first. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, I was just, as you're talking, I was just thinking about the people that get it the most here in our congregation or the people that are newest to the faith that have just started entering in the faith. Like they get it so quickly and it's amazing. Um, and that, that's something to explore, like why that is. But I think it's true. Like when you, when you look at it, um, and it's exciting. It's refreshing to see too. I, you know, probably a lot of it is that there's not a lot of baggage to to work through um, spiritually or or a, a lot less to deconstruct or yeah. to de- or to declutter if you prefer that word. Declutter, yeah, yeah. So the um, wise man, I, you know, it's it's a crazy part of the story. I mean, it it really it really is. It's it's compelling. It's it's one of my favorite parts, just because it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jesus was what, like, he was a bit, you know, he wasn't a baby when they got there. So they... Wait, wait, they what? Can... <laughs> he, uh, he wasn't... Say that he again. Wasn't a, what, he what, wasn't what you say? I, I had trouble hearing that. I thought I heard you say... Uh, the wise men were not at the nativity scene. Um, uh, was... Well, actually, they were because this nativity right over here behind the camera says they were. <laughs> they're, they're sitting right there, Matt. <laughs> in fact, uh, right next to the shepherd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took them a couple of years um, to get there, which also is another fascinating thing that they were committed to this. They, uh, you know, they, they went through a lot to, to see Jesus. They weren't like us Americans who just uh, want a sign right away. They, uh, they stuck with it and they were rewarded. Um, so that's one area where we, we get the idea for gifts, um, from the wise men. Um, probably the biggest reason we get gifts, uh, we think of gifts at Christmas is cause old, old St. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus. We'll, we'll close with this deconstruction piece unless you had something else, but that's no, the big no, one. I, I, I think we've destroyed, <laughs> I, I think we've destroyed enough Christmas for one podcast by the time we get through Santa Claus. <laughs> Um, 
So Santa Claus, and you probably you know more about this than me because you've you've written a lot about it. But Santa Claus was not just a Disney character, right? Yeah, no, I think you know our 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 idea of Santa Claus comes primarily from two places. It comes from um, the night before Christmas, you know that that old poem um, story, and and Coca Cola. And so, you know, the images of Santa Claus that are in our, our mind of this jolly big man in, in red who comes in a sleigh with oh, that image of him of our minds comes from Coca-Cola and from the marketing in the early 1900s and maybe even late 1800s. But I think it's in the early 1900s. In fact, even in the night before Christmas, Santa's an elf. Santa's small, like, like Smurf size. So, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, Santa wasn't even like human in, in the story of that. Now, every culture uh, around the world has a different kind of concept of this idea of Santa. But, but you know, you, you go to other countries in the world, many of them, if not most of them, have this idea of Santa or this version of Santa, uh, which means that it didn't just come from Coca-Cola or didn't just come from the night before Christmas. The American version of that came from those places. But there must be something behind the scenes much deeper that's driving that kind of around the world thing because it didn't start in America. And that's because it comes from a real person, St. Saint Nicholas, uh, a bishop, a pastor, a clergy person in the church, in the Christian church, in the area that we now refer to as Turkey, in, uh, in, in the third century, in the late 200s, early 300s, this man named Nicholas uh, was known for, for being an extremely generous individual, was known for being extremely generous to children, for giving gifts uh, in anonymous ways two people. Uh, he, as best we know, grew up in a very wealthy family, but used that, turned his back on that wealth in order to go into ministry and then used that wealth long-term in order to bless other people. Now, there are a number of stories and legends, as you might imagine, over 1,600 years or so that have grown up around this. Uh, and it, it, I mean, some of it's crazy. I mean, if you if you get into the story of St. Nicholas and, and miracles and, and the things that he did, it's kind of hard to cut a straight and fine line between what is truth and what is not truth. But what we do know is that Nicholas existed, that he um, was a very generous and giving person, that he seemed to have an affinity for doing that to children. And on behalf of, of children and the poor and the down and outers, and uh, that he was seen as being important enough to Christianity to have been made a saint. And so St. Nicholas is the very real foundations of what would become the legendary Santa Claus. So Santa is Christian. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of folks out there that are like, oh, Christians can't do Santa Claus. Now, you, you know, our culture, starting with Coca-Cola, you know, now Disney, I think Tim Allen's coming out with more Santa Claus movies. Which, by the way, are like my kids' favorite Christmas movies. I love them. They're great. They're great. They're, 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 they're fun. They're not stressful. 
um, yeah, they're, they're easy wins for the kids. Um, you know, if you don't want to do all the magic behind Santa Claus, that's fine. Um, but, you know, I think before you throw out something like that, um, obviously I think we all would say um, Santa, uh, what he did, St. Nick uh, is very Christ-like, giving gifts is very Christ-like, uh, taking care of others is very Christ-like. And so, you know, you know, if you want to, if you want to reframe it, reform it, um, talk differently about Santa in that way, uh, go for it. But I don't think you can just throw out Santa Claus as unchristian when the very foundations of it started with a, a bishop in Turkey uh, years and years ago. Um, I think do a little research before you throw it out. And I think, you know, even Halloween, similarly, like a lot of Christians just want to avoid it because they don't understand it. Um, and, and this one I think is the same, like, just don't throw it out cause you don't understand it, you know, and people want to replace like things with stuff from the Bible and, and different things like that. And it's like, um, well, ra- rather than Santa, let's do a shepherd, <laughs> What, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think rethink that, reframe it. I, I love, you know, do some research on the story of St. Nick. Maybe you read it to your kids and, and kind of, I know one family in our, in our church community, I, it, it seems like this is a popular tradition. I think it was December recently, just a couple of days ago. Yeah, which, December 6th is the feast of St. Nicholas. Every, every yeah. saint has a day that is theirs because there are more than 365 saints. They're like several thousand at least uh there are several saints in one day but december 6th is the date where the church has historically remembered saint nicholas so a lot of people celebrate saint nicholas and celebrate even santa claus on december 6th in order to kind of free up december 25th to focus more on on jesus and a lot of people use epiphany the same way as well you know 12 days after december 25th is the celebration of epiphany January 6th, I think is, is when that falls. If I'm yeah, off, but yeah, it's right my in there. Birthday. And a lot of people, happy early birthday. Uh, a lot of people will celebrate and do gifts then, uh, instead of December 25th, because the, the wise men brought gifts to Jesus on that day. And so they'll, they'll shift it to, to that 12th yeah. night party. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a, there's a, an opportunity. I love that you said, um, to reframe it. I, I think that's, I think that's a great word for us to to redeem these stories without having to resist you know some of these traditions we can we can find a middle road between fully just ignoring uh, the consumer nature of it or fully playing into the consumer na- you know take a middle road where you use it as an opportunity to leverage and, and educate yourself and your family your kids on uh, the background of some of these and, and why these traditions are here. And St. Nicholas is an incredible way uh, to reframe and, and add Christianity to Santa Claus. Yeah, I, I'm i all for it. Um, you know, and I think the more like you're you're in you're I think just distancing ourselves uh, from everything that we find secular um, is not the way of the church, clearly. Right. Um, you know, if, if any holiday was co-opted, it's, it was Christmas. And, and so the church is all about that. So like, and, 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 and you actually have like, now you have groundings in faith stuff like Santa Claus 
what it's become the disney version of santa claus yeah it's all magic and and you don't if you don't want to teach your kid all of the magic behind that fine but you can there's some real faith-based stuff behind the development of santa claus that you can point your kids to and teach them about that i think would be powerful and valuable and a great way to disciple children um rather than just throwing it all out and there's lots of things like that in life and so like i the fundamentalist side of of christendom tends to throw all that stuff out and ignore it and try to isolate themselves and i just don't see that as what god called us to do when jesus came he actually incarnated himself like john chapter one tells us he pitched a tent in the midst of people like he lived with the people jeremiah 29 talks about god tells israel to to just become citizens of this country and just live and and have families and 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 be a part of the city and do and help the welfare of the city like like he never nowhere in scripture do you see let's isolate ourselves and take us completely outside of the culture and not participate in it no he wants us to participate in it and bring new life and bring love and yeah. and all the things of christ to it yeah and we don't really ever see um at, at the high water marks of church history we don't really ever see christians ever doing that was there a distinct difference between the way christians lived and the way the non-Christian, non-believing world lived. Yes, there were very distinct differences in the way that they lived, but it was not it was not in these countercultural ways. Christians were very distinct in the way that they lived, in the way that they treated the poor, in the way that they treated uh, minorities, in the way that they treated the down and outers, in the way that they treated the oppressed. These are the ways in which the church separated themselves from the world to great effect was in those ways. It was not in these victim driven culture war uh we're going to screech repent at you from the other side of santa claus uh no this is this is not the way that the church has done it uh through its history and and certainly not the way that the church has done it that caused there to be a coming to christ where hearts were changed towards him and towards god has sects and segments of the church done this throughout church history? Yes. But um, they were outsiders. They were not the norm. And the result of that was always disastrous and mm -hmm. didn't lead to revival, didn't lead to a great change in people's hearts or lives. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't lead to anything good. Um, and I think that you're, you, hit a, you hit the nail on the head with it. Um, and, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, this is like the time. This is like our holiday. Like, this is like our number one holiday as Christians. And yet, it just seems like and these are definitely secondary issues. <laughs> like if anything's a secondary issue, it's what you say, if you say Merry Christmas or happy holidays. And it just seems like the fundamentalists, like the Theo bros, like they get really bent out of shape about all of this. I mean, Donald Trump, like ran part of his platform is we're going to say Merry Christmas again. <laughs> like what? Nobody was doing? ever stopping you. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? 
and there's like serious fights going on in the in the church because of like how you view Christmas, and it's just wow. Um, yeah, I, I have asked people, you know, started asking people where, what, why do you want people to affirm your faith? You know, what, what, tell me, tell me what it is that wants you to force to compel people to use the language you want and to act the way that you want when it's not coming from a place of of belief it's not coming from a place of of understanding or, or commitment what why do you want people to pretend to be something they're not because that to me is kind of what what it comes down to is we're, we're, we're trying to force people to perform um and I, I'm going to force you to say Merry Christmas rather than happy. Like what part, what, what is broken in you <laughs> that, that, that makes that an important enough issue to compel people to say Merry Christmas rather than, than happy holidays. I just, there's something wrong in you. There's something wrong in me. If that's, if that's what my Christianity is, is, is performance yeah. and conformance. And maybe it may, I, I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know if we have time to go in this direction, but maybe it's because that's what my Christianity is to me is is more performance and conforming rather than something that comes out of a deep well of transformation and commitment to Christ. And so because I live my faith that way, just simply performing and conforming to things, I expect everybody else to act in the same way, to just simply perform and conform. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's a big piece of it. I also think too is like with the the effects of globalization and like a lot of new cultures coming to America. Um, we're now as Christendom being exposed to different cultures for the first time. And it's, it's, a, it's jolting like, Oh, people think differently than us. And then, you know, you have this fight. Well, make America great again. What does that mean? Well, that means let's go back to where it's just all white Christians in America. Right. But like, you're, you're not putting that, you're not putting that back in, the bottle right it's it's out like like we have so many different cultures and it's beautiful like the mosaic of 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 our cultures here like and you only got exposed to that previously if you actually traveled the world you would you would realize oh we're not the only ones like this isn't the only belief system out there um and so how do you love your neighbor in a world that is so different from you it was easy to love your neighbor when we all agreed, you know, on, on everything. Um, when they all look like you worship, like you yeah. acted like you, but yeah. So now how do you, how do you, how do you love your neighbor? And so I think there's this fear. I think you're, 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 you're right as you know, is trying to make people like me cause everyone should be like me, but also there's just this fear of like, they don't understand. And, uh, we're losing, we're losing it. We're losing our country. We're losing the world. You know, you're not really, um, you know, you're, there's still a lot of you. <laughs> it's just, your neighbors look very different. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that's the story of the, the, the good Samaritan, the Syrophoenician woman, you know, Jesus is continually pressing his disciples to understand that they live in a world where there are other perspectives, other voices, other ways of doing things that, that people look different. And, and Jesus, um, Jesus may, uh, Jesus may stop short of full affirmation of all of those belief systems, but Jesus never 
never tells us to act or respond to people who are different or think different or believe different than us in the way that we're responding and, and acting. I, I mean, the good Samaritan, you, you know, Samaria rejects Jesus and the disciples. You know, they were truly victimized, you know, in a way by, by um, the, the inhospitality of Samaria. You know, Jesus, the, the sons of thunder say, well, let's just call down fire from heaven and destroy this place. And Jesus is like, <laughs> let me tell you about the good Samaritan. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, I, I mean, I think that we have to wrestle with this idea that, that uh, if we see, if we see Jesus or, or if we see ourselves as needful or, or being compelled to act in this way towards those who are different and diverse from us, even, even theologically uh, as being from a place of Christ in ourselves, it's not coming from, the Christ place in you is coming from a very dark and and unchrist place within you, uh, which is the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was pushing against that idea that people who are unlike us or think differently or believe differently and even victimize us um, should be compelled into hospitality and into belief. She says, actually, they're pretty good people. Yeah, you might want to you might want them around when when the trouble <laughs> hits. Yeah, um, I, I love it too that like most uh, people of those days, especially the, the religious, uh, they would walk around Samaria to get to the north and the south, and Jesus would go right through it. I love it. Like he didn't avoid it. It's very Jesus, right? He embraced it, yeah. I, lo I love the eight part of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and not to preach repentance, it, it seems. Not to preach repentance to Samaria. yeah. He just cared and loved on him, and yeah, it's uh, and yet here, most white fundamentalist conservatives avoid all of that as as best they can. Um, yeah, it's not the way of Jesus, for sure. It's not, and, and Christmas, Christmas, I think is is maybe the best time of the year to truly show the way of Christmas. I mean, to show the way of Jesus by um, being the sort of person who gladly celebrates happy holidays rather than only Merry Christmas. 